You're listening to the Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. Resistance outwits the amateur with the oldest trick in the book. It uses his own enthusiasm against him. Resistance gets us to plunge into a project with an overambitious and unrealistic timetable for its completion. It knows we can't sustain that level of intensity. We will hit the wall. We will crash. The professional, on the other hand, understands delayed gratification. He is the ant, not the grasshopper. The tortoise, not the hare. Have you heard the legend of Sylvester Stallone staying up three nights straight to churn out the screenplay for Rocky? I don't know, it may even be true. But it's the most pernicious species of myth to be set before the awakening writer because it seduces him into believing he can pull off the big score without pain and without persistence. The professional arms himself with patience, not only to give the stars time to align in his career, but to keep himself from flaming out in each individual work. He knows that any job, whether it's a novel or a kitchen remodel, takes twice as long as he thinks and costs twice as much. He accepts that. He recognizes it as reality. The professional steals himself at the start of a project, reminding himself it is the Iditarod, not the 60-yard dash. He conserves his energy. He prepares his mind for the long haul. He sustains himself with the knowledge that if he can just keep those huskies mushing, Sooner or later, the sled will pull in to Nome. This is an excerpt from Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Hardman Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Eric Kahn. It's good to be with you. Again, thanks for signing up and listening to the podcast. Hopefully you've subscribed by now, either on Spotify, iTunes, or one of your other favorite players. If you haven't yet, though, be sure to do that and leave a five-star review. Leave comments, especially on iTunes. That definitely helps get the word out about this podcast. And again, we appreciate all of our listeners. Speaking of which, if you are a regular listener and you benefited from this content, I would encourage you to check out Patreon. You can check that out. We'll have links for it in the show notes, check out Eric Khan Patreon. You can become a Patreon supporter today for as little as $5 a month. We also have other tiers. You get early access to episodes. And we're also producing a whole slew of new content that will be exclusive to the Patreon channel. The last one we did was with Mr. Ben Garrett from Boniface Woodworking. Eric and Ben do the internet. So we had a really good conversation And then after this episode, I'll be recording another episode as a follow-up to Ash's work. So if you enjoyed Ash's work, I'll be doing another episode about practical application for that. We had some, uh, some grief and some hardship this week in our church. And so we'll uh, share some practical helps for how do you deal with grief? How do you deal with the Ash's work? What are some more practical things that you can do and habitual steps you can take to make sure that you get the most out of this season, you grow and come out the other side as a flower that buds and and blossoms. So be sure to check us out, like I said, on Patreon. Also check out ericcon.com. You can check out our store. We've got a lot of hot new products on there. You can use the discount code in the show notes to get special discounts on t-shirts. We've got Pietas t-shirts. We've got Virtus t-shirts with Aeneas on them. They look pretty cool if I don't say so myself we've also got coffee cups and uh 
we, we threw in some onesies as well. Cause listen, everybody loves babies and uh, what could be better than a Pietas or a Virtus baby onesie? I mean, come on. So you can check those out at the store. Use the discount code. Also becoming a member, you get special discounts. And if you become a VIP member today, you get a free Virtus pint glass, brand new pint glasses for the Hardman podcast. So be sure to check those out. Now, in today's episode, we are going to be talking about the secret life of fruit trees. Sit back, buckle up, and enjoy this episode. Christendom Bible College offers a one-year certificate in the humanities for students who intend to pursue a degree or for students who prefer to begin their chosen occupations upon completion of our program. Older students who never attended college or who went to a college where the humanities were less robust will also find our program stimulating and suitable. Located steps from the Ohio River in the town of New Richmond, we're unaccredited in order to remain free to teach as our biblically-minded consciences demand. As servants of Christ, we won't wear the yoke of the woke. Instead, we stand on the shoulders of Christianity's giants, not to stew in nostalgia, but to see through the culture wars fall to the glorious days of a Christendom still to be built. Our exceptional faculty are committed to the historic, biblical foundations of our faith. Come be a part of Christendom Bible College. Visit us on the web at christendombiblecollege.org to learn more. While there, be sure to sign up for our email updates and receive your free three-chapter excerpt of our very own Dr. Frank J. Smith's new book, Race, Church, and Society. The Secret Life of Fruit Trees I'll never forget the wondrous moment as my three young sons were sitting in the back of my friend Gary's side-by-side at his Idaho farm. The boys were devouring bowls of giant blackberries from his garden. Many of those blackberries seemed to be about as big as their little hands. They were in heaven. The juices were streaming down their chins. I also won't forget the elation I felt when Gary gave me a pair of tiny blackberry bushes to plant in my own garden at home. Like an over-eager hobbit before Treebeard, I exclaimed, That's awesome, Gary, I'll have blackberries like these to pick next summer. Gary laughed in his hearty, entish laugh. No, no, he said, thoughtfully and amusedly. It will be several years before you've got fruit like this. Several years, I thought to myself. In the age of the iPhone, the Instapot, one-click shopping, and two-day Amazon Prime shipping, really several years, I've got to wait several Years to enjoy the fruit of this blackberry bush? Well, as any good orchard keeper will tell you, the average fruit tree takes between three and seven years on average to produce fruit after its first planting. Whether you want plum, pear, apple, or apricot, it's at a minimum a multi-year investment. It takes even longer for sweet cherry or Indiana banana or papaw trees to come to fruition, even up to seven years depending on climate and soil. Interestingly enough, Jesus offered a profound insight in likening people to trees and grapevines, two of the most important images that we find in the scriptures. You can see this in places like Luke chapter 6, verses 43 and 45, or Isaiah 5, verses 1 through 7. After all, people and communities of believers really are living organisms in the care of the consummate gardener, which is God himself. We see this in John 15. Like the grapevine, which takes two to three years from planting to first harvest, and another two to five years until the first vintage, 
People take time to develop in all of our multifaceted complexity. In a world driven by the fast-paced industrial time clock, Google calendars broken down into five-minute segments, and a consumer-driven culture that wants what it wants and wants it yesterday, I find the pace of the trees to be actually rather refreshing. Since that warm morning on the farm, I've been learning to live beneath the wise branches of these orchard watchmen, to inquire about the secret life of trees, trying, failing, returning, and God willing, learning something in the process. Formed from the same dust, there's an organic connection between us, the same life moving through their branches as in my bones. In a more ancient part of the world, I was made for their care, and they to bring shade and refreshment and life to my flesh. No matter how many variants of the Samsung Galaxy they create, the earthbound identity remains. It's in the shade of these trees that I start to find my one authentic swing, as Pressfield says in The Legend of Bagger Vance, when I turn my face away from the screen and into the sunlit branches. Somewhere, hidden in their limbs, there's fruit to be found. There's the knowledge of good and evil, of wise and unwise. There is in particular a lesson for an American society, of which I am a part, that believes busyness, instant gratification, and a hurried life are crowning virtues of our existence, a pace with which these trees beg to differ. An organic education. What can the trees teach us about life, personal growth, and the proper cultivation of culture? Well, first, they teach us how to stand in the present and look to the past. When you look at any culture, your marriage, family, church, small town, city, state, or nation, what is it that you see? Do you like what's happening? Is it healthy? Is it flourishing? Or is it perhaps like America in so many ways crumbling? Gone to hell in one grossly oversized handbasket? Are your children the wholesome people that you envisioned at their birth? Are they productive members of society? Are you more than a little disturbed that there's actually such a thing as female Lutheran pro-transgender pro-LGBTQRSTUV pastor? Did your brain, like my mouth, just short-circuit midway through that sentence? And these people are actually promoting sexual promiscuity and promising to turn promise rings into a golden statue of a vagina? Yes, this actually happened. Does it bother you that many of our young people are being brainwashed by social-emotional learning and critical race theory? They're being taught to accept the utterly absurd by government institutions and public education all on your dime? Does it bother you? Does it bother you that too many churches lack masculine leadership, biblical authority, or even bother to practice church discipline? Do you ever wonder why the biologically male creatures that are left in the church, devoid of men, act like nasty women, right? All the men left are soft, manipulative, passive-aggressive, gossipy, when in point of fact they should be squaring their shoulders and facing problems head-on like men? How many of us us have asked that question, where have all the good men gone? The trees tell us that whatever we see today is fruit from seeds that were sown years and even decades ago. Whether it's a left-wing Lutheran biker dyke with sleeves tats and her wicked promotion of sexual immorality, or it's a marriage that's devolved to the level of bitter silence or crushing criticism or throwing objects at one another, the seeds of this fruit weren't planted yesterday. As Rebecca Merkel points out in her fabulous book, Eve in Exile, so much of today's feminism is a result of failed versions of homemaking 
and womanhood from the 1950s. This part is painful because we can take stock of how we got into this mess and must, but that's only one part. We also have to change. It's essential that we learn from the past in order to change the future. As the Chinese proverb says, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. The second thing that the trees teach us is how to stand in the present and look to the future. It's true. Today's failures point out the business we didn't take care of long ago, the investments we should have made but didn't. But this same principle also applies with hope to the future. We can turn the tide of the future and of the culture, but only if we're willing to invest over the long haul by making atomic habit changes today. We need to give ourselves relentlessly to a cause and continue to cultivate these worthy habits well after the initial zeal of starting wears off. This is what Stephen Pressfield was talking about in the excerpt that I read in the introduction. It's easy to start. It's easy to have the zeal in the beginning, but a true professional is somebody who knows how to adopt a blue-collar, lunchpail mentality and do the work every day, whether he's motivated or not. So here's a practical suggestion, and one particularly aimed at pastors, to help their flock get the point. Maybe when you begin a counseling session or you begin intensely discipling someone, you ought to have them plant a cherry tree. How many times I've had people in my pastoral office seeking counsel, and what do they want? They want quick results, right? They want change that is quick and easy. Go to one session, say a few things, a few pieces of insight, and bam, your life is totally fixed and totally different. But we need to remind our people that the seeds we sow today are fruit to be reaped, not tomorrow, but perhaps four years from now. When they complain about the lack of progress, tell them to spend an hour outside just watching the cherry tree. Did you see any fruit? That's right, keep sowing. Take your faith for a walk in the garden and let it stretch its legs. In some ways, I wish I had planted a cherry tree early on in my first ministry. I'd turned a retail business around in six months, and that was child's play comparatively. After all, I thought perhaps you could do the same thing with a small church in a small town. Well, not to spoil the ending, but it didn't turn out that way. So plant your cherry tree, water it, watch it grow, and wait patiently. Maybe seven or eight or 10 or 15 or 20 years from now, there will be fruit that will endure in the kind of way that leaves a legacy. The third thing that the trees teach us is to take an historical perspective on life. Many years ago, I sat in a Colorado apple orchard that was planted just after the Civil War. Isn't that breathtaking to think about? These old trees had been around for over 150 years. They had stood guard as telegraphs brought news of the sinking of the Titanic, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, the invasion at Normandy, and the death of Hitler. They'd outlasted the Cold War, the Civil Rights Movement, and heard upon the wind about the death of Charles Dickens, J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, and Shel Silverstein. One of the key things that we've advocated on the Hard Men podcast is being men who are sages, men whose minds are sharp, and especially men who know where they are in the historical current of the Reformed faith. One of the best ways that you can grow in this capacity to know your history and to think like the great men of old is to read great works. And one of those is the works of William Perkins. It is a 10-volume set from Reformation Heritage Books, We'll include links for that in the show notes. But the works of William Perkins fills a major gap in Reformed and Puritan theology. 
Though Perkins is best known today for his writings on predestination, he also wrote prolifically on many subjects, and his works filled over 2,000 large pages of small print in three folio volumes and have been reprinted several times in the decades since his death. So you can definitely check this out at heritagebooks.org. Really fantastic work. You can get the whole set for $280 and free shipping. Again, heritagebooks.org. You can also check out individual copies, build your collection one by one. Check out this valuable resource from Reformation Heritage Books. At least six generations of men had come and gone under the shade of these trees, and those who ate their fruit, took their shade, held their infants under these swaying branches, had since returned to the dust and given up the ghost. Oh, the stories that these trees could tell. There's glory in simply outlasting your opponents and steadily bearing fruit in every season, despite the sticks they keep throwing in your spokes. It's the glory of a pastor at times to work with glacial resolve. So slowly that it doesn't appear anything is ever even happening, yet you are so unrelenting that not even mountains of stone can stop your progress. The fourth thing the trees teach us is to define ourselves not by single actions or moments, but by a lifetime of commitments. It is the long obedience in the same direction. Aristotle once said that character isn't about doing the right thing one time. It's about a life spent doing the right thing over and over again, until the right thing becomes second nature. If you would have an abundant vineyard, orchard, marriage, relationship, or church community, a single action cannot bring it to pass. Instead, it's a generations-long commitment, with a million little choices and actions that are required. There are months or years of clearing ground and turning soil, planting, watering, fertilizing, pruning, and finally, years later, picking. As pastors, we're so often foolishly looking for the one dramatic experience that will change everything in an instant. One earth-shattering sermon at which half the town repents, a miraculous conversion experience, a men's conference, or a Christmas service. And what we really need is the steady, slow, and plodding attitude of a patient farmer. Preach your sermons for years. Sit with your people and listen to a million different stories. Pray over a thousand more broken hearts. Stay committed year after year. Encourage those who crash and burn. Rebuke those who get entangled with sin and stand by the ones under trial. Make enemies, make friends, and fight well. Think about the peach tree. The fifth thing that the trees teach us is that pruning is necessary. Every pastor and business owner wants a church or business that is forever and always in growth mode. But there are seasons when pruning branches, that is God taking people away from your church or business, is actually more necessary for growth. This is something, by the way, in business manuals that you never find, the season for letting things lay fallow. I have an apple tree in my backyard that's been here since we moved. For the first two and a half years that we were here, it never produced an apple. Then one Sunday after church of all things, my brother said, Hey man, that tree is never going to produce fruit. You haven't pruned it. So he went out and started pruning branches. Guess what? Eventually, apples started showing up again. Well, churches, businesses, communities, and relationships get overgrown too. There are people who occupy pews or the desks at your office who don't contribute much to the life of the body or the organization, and somehow in his wisdom, God says it's time to go. 
Sure, there's a million reasons people might leave and come in and out of our lives. They take new jobs. There's bad marriages and divorces. There's refusal to repent of sin. There's the color of the carpet or a better job offer in a fancier place. But every one of these things is the pruning hand of the gardener. Pruning, too, by the way, is an act of faith. It is a necessary, unpleasant task that unleashes future growth. We need it as individuals, communities, businesses, and churches. So, sow your seeds, prune your branches, and stay committed. And may God grant you growth and fruitfulness as only He can. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Hard Man Podcast. I hope it's been an encouragement to you as it has been to me as I was writing and thinking about these things have definitely been encouraged by them. Again, simple reminder, go to Patreon. You can follow the link in the notes. Check that out. You can find exclusive bonus episodes. Again, this week we're talking about how to do the ashes work, an episode that was live for the public, uh, but we have a special episode going into detail about how exactly we can go about that work that is for Patreon supporters only. So we encourage you to check that out and check out the store at ericcon.com. Pick up a pint glass. You can pick up a t-shirt or you can pick up a onesie. Still can't get over that. Coolest product ever. Uh, for the little baby in your life, everybody should have one of those. And so uh, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's your own, but everybody needs a baby. When you're going through hard times, uh, you see a baby smile everything gets better. It's just a proven fact. So check that out at ericcon.com and you can go to the store. Thanks again for listening to this episode and until next time, men, stay frosty, fight the good fight, and act like men. <laughs> <laughs>